This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. I suspect that, after all, we're useful. That among contesting claimants, adjustment has occurred. Or that something now has a legal right to us, by force, or by having paid out analogs of beads for us to former, more primitive owners of us, all others warned off. And that all of this has been known, perhaps for ages, to certain ones upon this earth. A cult, or order, members of which function like bellwethers to the rest of us or as superior slaves or overseers, directing us in accordance with instructions received in our mysterious usefulness. Welcome to Truth Warrior. I know it's been a while. Uh, so much has been going on and my life kind of got turned upside down with a few personal events as of late, but uh, I was able to finally complete this chapter 10 after many, many months of hard work. And I hope you've had a chance to see it. Uh, if you haven't, don't worry. I'll try not to give too many spoilers. There's so much packed in this chapter that I'm sure you'll be fine if you watch today's show without first watching that chapter. But I do recommend you go and check it out and you can get it now along with all the other chapters for free over at cultofthemedics.com. That's the best place to go. I've got all the chapters listed. If you go to the chapters section, it's, they're all listed. Chapters 1 through 10 is even a download link. If you want to download the MP4, if you want to re-upload it to your channels, if you want to edit it and make little clips of it, you are free to do so. Uh, all I ask is that credit goes where it's due. You put the website in your description, let them know where the original film is. Um, and if you'd like to make a small donation to help me continue to fund these film projects, that would be great. Uh, if it's times are tight, which I totally understand, then please help me get the word out by simply sharing it, share it as far and wide as possible. And we hope to get some more eyes on it. I've been getting some really good feedback. It's actually kind of blowing me away. I just want to thank everybody for your continued support with this project, with my podcast, with the work that I've been doing here. Um, and I just can't thank you enough. It's, uh, it's a labor of love. It's something that I've put a lot of time and energy into. And so I really appreciate all the positive feedback. I appreciate the critiques as well. They're always valuable so I can keep improving my production and the work that I do. But um, today, what I wanted to do was just do a little overview with you. And so I'm just trying to get my, oh, did that work? Yeah, I think it did. All right, sweet. I'm trying to get my slides up here. So I do have a bunch of slides to go with, go through with you. Um, let me just see. I want to test out the view here before we begin. Kind of had to, yeah, that should do. Okay. We won't get into it yet. I just want to make sure everybody knows I'm actually live and that here we are. 
I see some people over on DLive, on Twitch. How's it going? Dejira do three says, saw it uploaded one through 10. Thank you for the awesome work, man. There you go. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Much appreciated. I just want to be sure we're good to go everywhere else. Uh, yes, we are on Rumble. We are on Foxhole, Pilled, DLive, Twitch, Rockfin. Welcome, everybody. I hope you're doing well. So where to begin with this one? First of all, I know so many people right now are just covering all the current events and we need people to do that. We've got all this war going on, all this craziness going on. Who knows what's on deck next? But what we're doing today is trying to look at this from this biggest perspective as possible, which was really the theme of this chapter, right? Like the other chapters, we were hinting at things. We're starting to go into a bit of the deep end here. And I said it in this chapter, you know, if you really want to get a handle on all of this, all these different things, all these separate little niche research fields, all these different bits of information that we have access to, all these little smoke signals, that something much bigger is going on behind the scenes and has been for quite some time. That's where we're going. That's where we, we have to keep our focus, at least for a little while. You know, get the big 40,000 foot view and then zoom into the little pieces and parts of it, the little spokes of the wheel. That's all fine and good. But I do feel like people forget the big picture and it's easy to do. I forget it. We all do. And so that's why I personally love creating these kind of films because you'll notice throughout the series, we're getting into current events. I've said it before that every chapter is sort of like a little time capsule of what was going on while I was making that chapter. I do make these chapters, you know, very much on the spot, you know, during the period of time that I release them. It's just only a few months delay because it takes me about that time to put it all together. And you see that there's a progression that we're heading towards bigger questions. And we're also getting into all these different aspects of this medical tyranny, the various elements of the pandemic and all that. And we're trying to look at it, look at all that stuff from this bigger perspective to really start to zoom out and go, okay, okay. So let's just say we've been lied to so many things that they've been telling us have turned out not to be true the actions that they've taken or the inactions that they didn't take have turned out to cause devastating effects on human health, on the survival rate of the human population, on sterility rates, on all these different things. So you start to go, well, what the hell is this? I think it was chapter seven. The theme in that was there is no innocent explanation. At that point in the series with my research, I got to the point where I'm, I mean, I was already kind of on this track because I kind of know who I'm doing. I know who we're dealing with here, but, or at least I believe I do, but, um, it was like concrete at that point at that chapter it was like, okay, at this point, if they come out and go, okay, guys, we maybe dropped the ball. We made a few mistakes. We overestimated these vaccines. We overestimated what we were doing, or, you know, we were just, we had some incompetence going on. That, those excuses just don't work on me personally anymore. It's absolutely not that there is no innocent explanation to what we're seeing and what we have seen. And there is no innocent explanation to the driving force behind the pharmaceutical medical industrial complex. I'm sorry. 
if you work in the medical fields, doctor, nurse, you know, no disrespect to you personally at all. There are many amazing people in the medical world. And this series is not about that. It's actually about how you've been screwed over also. You've been played and manipulated as well, as have we all. By what? By who? For what purpose? That's really what we're going with. So my usual disclaimer when I talk about this subject is that in no way am I here to attack or or accuse or indict every medical worker. That's 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 nonsense. But I think we can all agree that I've at least shown enough so far in this series, and I'm sure many of you listening have done your own independent research into this or maybe had direct experience by now to show that what we see behind the veil of the publicly presented medical world, the pharmaceutical world, all brought to you by the same four investing firms and the same names that we're going to go through. Um, there's something much shadier going on. And my question has always been, is this just as simple as some corruption? Is it just as simple as that? So if we say there's no innocent explanation, the next step would be, okay, so what about it isn't innocent? And to what degree are we talking? And that's where people can maybe differ in their conclusions here. Um, but I'm going, okay, well, and in this chapter, we kind of look at it from a few lenses, even this big picture view that I'm trying to roll out, which is really just me combining a lot of different aspects of research that I've done, different theories that I have and, and that other people have presented to try to get a big picture on the whole thing. Like it's, it's not just the medical field. This obviously entails elements of politics, business, finance, um, you know, the, the military industrial complex, then you get into the secret society networks, then you get into ancient history of religions and cults and the wars between them and the crazy ideas that humans have come up with that uh, once they've tried to crystallize those belief systems into the real world, they cause nothing but devastation, poverty, tyranny, evil, murder, genocide, etc. So the reason there's no innocent explanation is because at the end of the day, at least on the surface level, we're just dealing with human beings that are corruptible, that are flawed, that are imperfect, that are misguided, that are misled, that adopt belief systems. As uh, There's a nice section in there by David Icke. We had him on Earth Chronicles. And I thought, you know, whatever your opinion is of all of David Icke's theories or his ideas or his opinions on things, he's been doing this for 34 plus years. And he's got some really, really good research and some really good explanations for certain things. And he also just sums things up beautifully, especially in that interview. And he just broke down the layers of compartmentalization of the spider's web, as he calls it in a, in a brilliant way. And that's why I liked it. And, you know, there was so many parts to this that we're going to go through that I think are very valuable to at least consider. And so you know, we're going in this series, is it a human corrupted, we're dealing with a corrupted faction of humans that just see themselves as superior and better to us, better than us? Because um, we've got many examples of that in history and even happening right now, where you get this sort of controlling oligarchy or controlling cult or or whatever that it uses the light to blind its followers to lead them down a very dark path, which usually ends up in like, mass ritual abuse or sacrifice or um, even just mental enslavement is good enough. These people are seeking your worship. They're seeking to be venerated. They're seeking to be the celebrities. They're seeking to be the ones who are right. 
and they believe themselves to be the overseers of humanity, the overseers of human affairs. And I got that word overseers from that quote from Charles Fort that I opened this up with. And that quote, you know, it's haunted me to this day. I read it many years ago. And uh, I feel like it just sort of sums it up. It's kind of one of those quotes that when you go through it and you really think about it, it's one of those things that makes you go, well, when you put it that way, and then I look at the world, I wonder, is it more than just that? Are we dealing with more than just a round table of secret societies, corrupt institutions, BlackRock, Vanguard, Club of Rome? Vatican, you know, deep state. Are we, are we, are we doing something bigger than that? So I'll get into that when I rip these slides and open, but I, uh, you know, I have people ask me, what's your stake in this? Why this? And so if you want to get my personal side of this, I've explained this many times, but I've had many personal run-ins with the medical tyranny and the medical mismanagement or the malpractice, I could call it. You could just, just to be generous. Uh, and I've run into it a few times. You know, I just grew up with my mother in and out of the hospital, family members, friends, watching what they went through and just going, okay, why the hell are they getting worse, not better when they go and see these medics? And I'm not talking about like emergency surgery or if you break your leg, they're the best in the world at dealing with that stuff. But when it comes to treatment of disease, when it comes to overall general health advice, I think we can all understand that at this stage, it's not your doctor you're going to be going to, especially after what we just went through. And the trust level, and they're talking about this all over mainstream news, at least they're talking about it in Canada. I don't know where you guys are. I've seen it having a discussion about this phenomenon where people have because of what went down with the pandemic, the lack of trust in the medical sciences and the medical world and the institutions is declining. And I love how all these articles and anytime you hear these guys talk about it, they kind of blame the people. Oh, they just misunderstood. They don't know the science. I'm like, no, you did it to yourselves. So how do we repair it? How do we repair the trust in medical science and, and the health institutions? Can they be salvaged at this point? I've had many discussions with doctors and medical professionals, off, professionals offline, and I've got my opinions on how we can fix it. But needless to say, we're back to that same question. Is there an innocent explanation to all of this? No, not in my opinion. So is it just a human faction here? Dealing with some people that just want to seize the thrones of power and they know you need to control the people that live on the land that you want or create the wealth that you want to steal. <laughs> they set up a sort of human tax farm. All of your countries are in incalculable debt. So they've got you by the balls there, as George Carlin would say. The table's tilted. The game is rigged against you. By who, for what reason? That's the next question. So then we speculate even further, and I'll speculate more in the last two chapters on this. Chapter 11 is going to be called Beyond the Veil. We're going to look at, you know, again, more of these things that are going on, but again, from maybe a different angle. And then chapter 12, we're going to add a new angle and then just try to wrap it all together. And man, I could keep doing this forever, but I just wanted to get these 12 chapters out and then see where it goes from there. But are we dealing with something not human? That's the, 
That's the question that would probably have a lot of people that might be with me up to a certain point, maybe just tune out and go, okay, once you're going to non-human intelligences or something anti-human, I can't go with you there. And I get it. I get it. I wouldn't want to go with me there either. But there's some good questions to be asked about that. There's some good information to look at when it comes to that. Brilliant minds come well before me, genius level thinkers, high level academics, uh, royal, royal family members, generals, congressmen, statesmen, very esteemed people, elite people within secret societies have written about this for centuries. That they worship and pay homage to something else that has its own <laughs> agenda. And you go, okay, is that all? And I leave it open-ended in the chapter. Is that all a bunch of airy-fairy cult nonsense? Could be. Could be that these elites, these overseers are just operating off that belief system and therefore that explains the actions that they're taking. They believe that they're serving something else that's not us, that's higher than us. Or is it actually true? Like that's, I'll let you speculate on it. I'll let you speculate on what name you want to give it, what costume you want to put on it, how you want to package it. It doesn't matter because here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Um, So I guess when you look at that, that Charles Fort quote, which is, I opened the whole series with that quote that was in the original series trailer because that's where I wanted to, that's the launching pad that I wanted to explore all these questions from to just go, are we at least has someone claimed ownership over us? Right. And that's where we get into this. Let me get the slides going. Actually, before we do the slides, let me just double check the comments. I'm going to be trying my best guys. I always say it, but I get so carried away. I want to make sure I catch some good comments. Um, So yeah, if you're in the live chat on Rumble or Rockfin or whatever, uh, throw it in the comments or anywhere. Oh, we've got someone from the Netherlands. Good evening from the Netherlands. Nice timing on episode 10. I just watched episode nine again last night because they needed the part with Matthias Desmond on mass formation for some small time editing I do to spread messages. Good job. Yeah, there's so many pieces that I've highlighted in the series. And every time I make a chapter, I look at my notes that go with it. And I'm like, I got through a quarter of my notes because there's research, there's the details that really can only be relayed through podcasts like this or, you know, through writing a book on it, we can get all the nitty gritty. Translating some of these things to film is incredibly difficult. It's very hard. It's one of the biggest challenges that I run to is how to put visuals behind the words, how to show you the best that I can with, and I'm not even traveling around with a camera crew going to actual locations right now. I mean, that's a dream I'd love to achieve one day is to go on location, go to Malta, go to Switzerland, go to Rome, you know, go to Davos, um, check this stuff out, but we do have enough that we've collected from great people. And that's really what I want to present. So, um, Club 2000, absolutely amazing work you have done. Oh, thank you so much. Much appreciated. You guys make it all worth it. So let's just get into it. I got 55 slides to do, so get nice and cozy. And let's rock it. So this is it. This is the opener. First, they find out that they are owned. Then they find out the whyness of it. And he's speaking um, in metaphor about animals on a farm. 
he's actually the, the precursor to that is cattle, pigs, sheep, hens, whatever. First, they find out they're owned by a farmer and then they find out the whyness of it. And he's making the comparison to us. What if, and this was the question I asked, look at how we humans treat animals on this planet. Just right there. It, it's, it, there's something called the phenomenology of the question, meaning we are experiencing something very directly. We can look to right now that we ourselves as human beings are doing to other living species that are not us. And we can just look at that and go, the only reason why people are going to literally freak out at you if you try to insinuate that there's a higher power than a human being running this shit and overseeing it and farming the human family in the same way we farm animals on our planet is because that's just a bridge too far because they have a belief system that we are the apex of everything. That, that's it. And maybe it is true. But that's where I asked that question. What does it mean to be human? What does that even mean? Especially today when we can't even define what a man is or a woman is. What's next? Oh, well, what is a human? Well, that's what they're doing in the transhuman movement, aren't they? Well, what is a human? Uh, it's just a bag of meat. You're just a higher primate running around with a bunch of insane insanity built into your genetics. Look at the Middle East. You can't wait to rip each other to shreds. So you need to be farmed and brought to heal. That's their argument. Are they right? Well, who are they? They're human, are they not? What does that mean? What is a human? That's the next documentary. Now, what is a woman? What is a human? Who are these transhumanists and why are they mixing up with the cult of the medics? Why are they in the medical world as well? Why is the entire medical industry, I'm talking about some of these organizations we're going to get into that maybe you don't know about that are very powerful and that fund your medical research, your journals, your medical university degree, the whole thing, top to bottom, who built the entire enterprise? Who are the overseers? Who are the unknown superiors? That's a question asked by John Robeson in 1798. He wrote that book called Proofs of a Conspiracy. And there's so many little tidbits that I try to pull out through my research that I caught as I'm going through reading the syndicate, reading rule by secrecy, reading the order of skull and bones, reading confessions of the medical heretic, reading about the slave species of the gods, reading about genetic manipulation, possibly in ancient times, still carrying on to this day. Who's carrying that project on? Is this transhumanist trend just something new? Or does it go way back to the kings and pharaohs in the ancient times? Maybe that's a big question for some people, but not for me. And even if it didn't, I mean, where's, where are we headed right now? Where are we headed? Who's directing the ship? What do they believe? What is their agenda? Well, I believe I've gotten the closest that I could possibly get without literally being behind the doors of these, uh, secret combines and, um, you know, we can identify, for example, if we just look at some real examples of what would happen with this pandemic, what's happened with previous world health organization pandemics, 
and we can start to compare some notes and connect some dots. And you, you, if you start this journey just from the premise of something has claimed ownership over this planet and over the, the creatures on it, and then you read the draft of things like the World Health Organization's One Health, which we're going to get into, and many other things, we can get back into, you know, the Flexner Report and so many other aspects, and you put it all together, it seems like Charles Ford wasn't so crazy when he was just asking this question as a, as a thought exercise. You know, what if we're property? What if something owns us? What if something paid for us? What if something, what if we had previous owners that were a little bit more primitive and they were overtaken by something more advanced? And then here we are. And then you look around at the way the world is set up. You look at the legal system. You look at the, uh, the fact that all of your ID cards have your name written in all capital letters. And you start to go down that rabbit hole and go, what does that mean? Oh, right. You're a chattel. What's chattel? Oh, it's property. Okay. Property of what? Property of the state. Who runs the state that is in debt? Oh, the people that hold the debt. Who are those people? Oh, they're just members of all these ancient cult fraternities and they have bloodline family connections going back through time. Oh, interesting. Right. And you keep going. So, that's where that's coming from because you got to start explaining. If I start to say, all right, there's no innocent explanation. They're trying to cull the population. They're trying to control us to a higher degree than ever before. They're building technology to the point where they're creating something called neo-humans. They have an agenda for neo-humans, new humans, human 2.0. They don't like the old human. They want to bring in the new. Is the new really that much better or is it just better for purposes of control and for resource management and resource collection? Is that what it is like the GMO farm animals? Now the synthetically created mosquitoes that Bill Gates is messing around with, is that what they want to turn humans into? And what kind of a human being would want to do that to its own species, which would cause the obsolescence of its own species, the extermination of its species. What creature would do that? Well, we could get in, we could actually sit here and make a really strong argument that we are dealing just with some sick, twisted psychopathy that's rooted with ancient trauma and it's overlaid with a bunch of religious cult doctrine that is coming out in the, in through the works of these elite people. And we could just look at it on the human level and go, these people have this twisted belief system. They are the demigods of the modern age and they have the right to do this and, and on and on we could go. But I still wonder, you know, are we, are we actually dealing with something else? Like, does, does the cat, does the cattle on the farm ever, you know, obviously speculate about this? Well, no, they don't, they don't possess the intelligence to do it. They'll walk right into the slaughtering houses without resistance because they are bred and groomed and trained to do that through their Skinner box. And we're getting to the Skinner box thing in a bit too. But it's just, it's an interesting question. It's, it's quite, it's kind of a freaky question, but it's always about this. Who are these overseers? Who have they've always been? The ones put in front of us by the kings, the popes, the Caesars, the pharaohs, the imams, the enlightened ones that tell us what the holy gods want us to do, what the holy writ says, the unwashed masses who don't know anything better. And they're not, you know, they're kept in a dumbed down animalistic state to service elite people, the overseers, who are they? 
Is this just some science that's been perfected over time of how to manage massive populations? Well, then who were the ancient gods? Who were they really? Are all of them real beings? Every single one of them that has ever been thought up by any tribe or culture or group of people on this planet? Are they all simultaneously real? Are they figments of our imagination? Are they archetypal projections of aspects of ourselves? Are they anthropomorphized elements of nature that were deified and worshiped by ancient peoples? Were they purely symbolic? Or could it be, which I think those are really good arguments, but could it also be that the reason we even conceptualized the concept of ancient gods and got very specific with what the gods required, which was blood sacrifices of virgins and all that stuff, right? Complete contrition and obedience, number one demand of the gods. And the elimination of competing tribes and competing gods. Are we dealing with that or are we dealing with maybe the idea later at a later stage in history became, oh, well, these are just anthropomorphic archetypal projections of the human mind upon nature. But where did they get the idea from? You have to have an original idea. And maybe the original idea originally came from some direct experience with some very advanced people or beings that seemed godlike to primitive people who didn't have an explanation for something they couldn't understand. That's just a just a theory, just a question. I'll let when I ask who are the ancient gods, that's for you to fill in. None of this stuff is I have my theories, but I'm not even here to get I'm just trying to get this in general to get people thinking so that you can fill it in yourself because I don't want this to be dogmatic in any way. I don't want to start another cult of cult of the medics, if you know what I mean. You know, so free inquiry. This is just my question. Who are the ancient gods? Why did we, why did we genocide entire peoples over this? Why are we still doing that? Why are we in this state of an, an eternal projection of a mommy daddy figure? Where does that come from? The need to service somebody, the need to basically live as a slave to something or someone else. Where does that come from? Who put the, who programmed that in conveniently? Did we do it to ourselves because we were lost and we were afraid? Maybe did we, did someone help us with those powerful subliminal suggestions over thousands of years that eventually got coded into our filiogenetic race memory. And that's why we just keep acting out these dramas and this ridiculous nonsense to this day. And again, I'm not talking about what, could be perceived as like the oversoul, the, the great spirit, the, you know, the God of the entire universe or whatever. That's something separate from what I'm talking about with these gods. I should have put this in lowercase gods with a small G fakers, pretenders. And then of course, the next question, if we kind of continue would be, well, regardless of what you think of that, who are the gods today? Who are the gods that we worship today, unquestionably, unchallengingly? Who did we, who were the gods that everybody worshipped during the pandemic? The media, the think tanks, the white coats, the celebrities. Who do we worship today, really? Right?
And then you start looking at some of these symbols and you go, well, where the hell do all these ancient symbols come from? What's with this serpent symbol that is all over the bloody place? Where does it originate? Why do companies like Orpheix, life-saving antidotes that work specifically with snake venom, <laughs> you know, regardless of what you might think of like someone like Dr. Artis's theory on that, man, he was onto something in terms of just getting people to know just how much snake venom is used by companies in the world of genetics and health, utilizing the symbol of serpents in their logos, just like the World Health Organization. And it, why are they using that particular symbol? I mean, really, why do they, there's why they could, there's the public excuse, but I mean, come on, if we're asserting that there's an ancient cult going on, what does it mean to them? So let's get a little more technical, enough of this pie in the sky stuff here. Let's just Go check out who are the funders. This is what I love to do. You go to these websites, you go to Orpheix. What is it? Orpheix.com forward slash funding and collaboration. Yeah, those are the types of pages you want to check out. So you want to get to know who we're dealing with here. This is the World Health Organization roadmap they're talking about. And it aims to reduce envenoming burden. So envenoming, what is that? Envenomation, what is that? What are they talking about? Are they, is this something to do with human genetics being changed so here's their own website so you got the welcome trust you got the department of defense of america and then you got the world health organization seems like a lovely bunch to be sponsoring this type of research so you got as population growth and climate change brings snake and human environments even closer together the threat of snake envenoming to humans and domestic animals is increasing so they're basically saying Climate change is driving all the snakes out of their caves and they're biting more humans. So we need to really get on the envenomation prevention bandwagon. But is there something more to it? The Wealth Organization recognized the devastating harm inflicted by venom on the snakes when it added envenomation into its list of neglected topical diseases. And today, fatalities due to envenoming nearly surpassed those of most other diseases on the NTD list combined. So they go through a whole thing and um, no matter what you think about all that, look at the sponsors. So the welcome trust, who the hell is a welcome trust? And by the way, when you spell the welcome trust, it's two L's, welcome trust. Oh, another company that just so happens to use the serpentine symbolism with the Promethean torch. Interesting, you know? Interesting. Who is the Welcome Trust? Oh, <laughs> they were funded and set up by the Rockefeller Foundation. Lovely. We do a little bit on that. And I also highlighted that, you know, um, I wonder if I can do, let me just switch this quickly so I can read this. Welcome has increasingly funded international work in recent years, partnering globally with key funders such as the Gates Foundation, to tackle important health issues and create an ecosystem of research leaders. These new areas seem very much in line with the founder's vision for health and well-being and are seen internally as part of carrying out that mandate in our every, ever more globalized world. So 
um, we don't have to hopefully talk about this too much, but you have to be able to read through all the flowery language. Of course, they're going to have to, and maybe I should do a little bit on this just so, you know, some of you might be confused on this as you're researching, or even if you're having trouble explaining this to friends, they're going to be like, well, look, if I go to the club of Rome website, or I go to the Knights of Malta website, or I go to the welcome website, or I go to the Rockefeller foundation website. Uh, all I hear is about philanthropy and helping starving children and helping to mitigate disease and create a healthier future and deal with the tough climate challenges and the equity challenges and all these things. So it sounds really, really good. And, you know, the healthcare system from the Red Cross to the whole thing has been nothing but a positive force in the world because it it helped veterans during World War II that were on the battlefield. It helped save lives. It helps people in the hospital when they need blood donated, they get blood immediately available to them. Um, in, you know, these life-saving vaccines and medicines and, you know, doctors are there to save your life and all this. And you're like, yes, yes, because they're the overseers, or at least they work for them. They are supposed to take care of the livestock on the farm. Doesn't mean they're going to come out and go, we are an insidiously evil cult that sees ourselves as separate from the rest of humanity and are working on a, a transhumanist agenda as well as a global depopulation agenda. They're not going to come out and say that on their website. You got to get that by studying their actions throughout history. You got to get that by reading insider testimony. You got to get that by, at this point, just putting some basic common sense together. But the sales pitch is... We are here to do good. And I believe they've done a lot of good. This is a great bit. David Icke was saying, not everybody in the World Health Organization is trying to make a medical global tyranny. But the inner core is, he said, the inner core. Compartmentalization. They always win you over with humanity, fraternity, love, compassion. You know, just like those pedophilic priests in the middle in the east do or anywhere else come hither dear child donate to our cause we are here to clothe the poor and feed the starving and prey upon your children like that that's obviously not written on the vatican website but that's what freaking happens so uh, and then that's why i go into cults and i go okay well if you if you doubt me on that if you trust the welcome trust Let's sit down and have a talk. Let's let's talk about a whole track record of very pernicious cults that we can name and identify that have promised the exact same thing to their followers only to lead them to mass ritual suicide, turn them into serial killers, drive them mad with all kinds of promises of salvation and you know all this stuff. And it's and the minute you get down that rabbit hole you realize Wow, the vast majority of all of these incredibly evil things that we've seen happen from history to the present moment with when it comes to these kind of ideas and cults, it, it turns bad. And then you roll out the political cults and you go, well, Stalin was promising the same thing to the Russians. Mao Zedong was promising the same thing to the Chinese. Hitler was promising the same thing to Germany. And on and on we could go. Klaus Schwab is promising the same thing to the entire planet. Anthony Fauci promised it to the to America and the world, right? So either they're very incompetent, which they can't be incompetent because these are the people that literally at the very, very top 
the funding, the, at the funding level, the high table level behind all these welcome trusts and Orpheix and Red Cross, Knights of Malta, Club of Rome's World Health Organizations or United Nations behind that. Who are those people? What are those? What's that? What is that? I love David. He's like, what is that? What's that an expression of? And then you go there. Well, what's that an expression of? And you just keep going and you get to a point where you're like, yeah, who are the unknown superiors? Really? What are they really doing? And why are they using the same symbols? And why are they using the same words on their website? You, you, you know, King Charles now with the Terra Carta giving nature rights over those of humans. Wow. Interesting connection, because isn't that what this One Health thing is declaring with the World Health Organization? We'll get into it in a minute that they're demoting human rights and raising up the rights of animals, land, the environment, and putting it all on a playing field and basically looking to create global legislation where the World Health Organization and its little satellite organizations can come in and take over the rule of your country just like they actually just did during the lockdowns. Who were your politicians, your puppet politicians reading this teleprompter from? It's from these people saying, we're going to come in and now put the constitution away. We got to deal with a crisis now. Can't have any discussions about bodily autonomy and freedom and all that. No, no, that's just, there. there's too much of an emergency for that. We're, we're ruling this treehouse now. We're the new bosses now. And they send in their white coats and they administer the cult doctrine to the masses. The masses go, oh my God, we're going to die. Let's do whatever they say. They basically point a gun to the head of your nation. And now they want to have permanent framework set up all over the world where they can do this anywhere that they want for any reason, whether it's a human pandemic. Maybe there's a pandemic amongst the cattle on the farm. We've got mad cow disease running around again. Better lock that shit down. Better lock down all the farms. Replace them with insect paste factories. Or environmental, that they want to put environment and the climate change on the same docket of excuses as a pandemic in order to be able to grant them imperial authority from a central location in freaking Davos, and you're going to go with this? You still trust them? Oh, but their websites say it's all about saving lives. Oh, okay, that must be what it is. That must be what it is. Leading you to the promised land by the nose. It's as old as time. And all I'm saying is at least be suspicious, at least look into it. When you have the same, like the Rockefeller foundations, come on. You connect it all together. You see the same funding and organizers. And then you go to this event tool one that we all watch and you go, oh, who funded that? Yeah. Rockefeller foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, world health organization, the Chinese CDC, you know, it gets ridiculous after a while, but here we go. Let's go to the Rockefeller Foundation website and have a quick read, shall we? Global health preparedness and response will require partnership and collaboration at all levels, local, national, and global. What do you think require partner? They love those words, partnership. Partnership, unity, coming together. It's a globalized world now. Let's just come together under our authority. <laughs> what an amazing sales pitch. So global health preparedness and response will require partnership and collaboration at all levels, local, national, and global. Who welcomes and looks forward, or the World Health Organization, I mean, welcomes and looks forward to collaborating with the Rockefeller Foundation's Pandemic Prevention Institute, said Dr. Tedros. 
the veterinarian terrorist that runs the World Health Organization. So they're saying it. Oh, we can't wait to be partnered with the Rockefeller Foundation. That's amazing. The Pandemic Prevention Institute is also accelerated to work to develop analytical tools and algorithms hmm, that detect early warning signals whenever they occur. Developing technology that sees and shares the signs of potential outbreaks and supports sharing of those signals instead of the data itself, we don't want to deal with the data, is a crucial step to addressing data privacy and building an early warning system that works for all. It's going to work for all. Over the course of this pandemic, it has become clear, this is a quote from Sir Jeremy Farrar, director of Welcome Trust. <laughs> Over the course of this pandemic, it has become clear that we need to strengthen health data systems to underpin a rapid and adaptive global response. Welcome Trust's partnership with the Pandemic Prevention Institute on the data.org initiative is an exciting example of the innovative approaches needed. It will bring together expertise, ensuring advances are designed to be open for global benefit, helping us and future epidemics quickly and effectively. So it's seeking new partners. They're investing in a common agenda through the RF Catalytic Capital Incorporated. I got to do a whole deep dive on that, which is a charitable offshoot. <laughs> it's basically, oh, they're telling us it's a charitable offshoot that the Rockefeller Foundation created in 2020 to enable foundations, governments, and other like-minded funders to combine their resources to build funding solutions for social impact and bring about transformational change. Transformational change. Hmm. For more than a century, the Rockefeller Foundation has incubated health-focused initiatives and organizations to advance health equity across the globe. Health equity, one of their favorite terms. The Pandemic Prevention Institute is being built with the same ambition to contribute leadership, support, global collaboration, and save lives. So we're there to save lives, guys. Nothing to see here. There's no ulterior motives whatsoever. And then you go to this, uh, there's another little section I'm fast forwarding to. This is when I did the section, this is in chapter 10, where uh, we're talking about the global health tyranny. And we're illustrating this thing called the 100 Days Mission by an organization called CEPI, C-E-P-I. I'm sure you may have come across this one. And I, I, I flashed this up on the screen in the chapter. I, I don't know if everybody saw it and, and read it through, but... <laughs> Let's just, again, go to the investors and partners because those pages always tell you so much. Who founded CEPI? Well, CEPI was founded in Davos, Switzerland, by the governments of Norway and India, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, and the World Economic Forum. So it must be just a totally lovely group of people trying to do amazing work in the world to save lives and bring about more equity. That must be what it is. And to date, CEPI has secured financial support from, and when they're putting these countries, they're talking about your government officials that are taking your tax dollars and just giving it to these organizations. Austria, Australia, Austria, Belgium, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Canada, Denmark, the European Commission, Ethiopia, Finland, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Kuwait, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malaysia, Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Panama, Portugal, Philippines, Romania, Saudi Arabia, Senegal, Serbia, Singapore, Switzerland, Republic of Korea, United Kingdom, USA, and a welcome trust. We're a big team of Avengers trying to save the world from the filthy humans that are overpopulating it. 
So who are these people then? Are they working on their own accord? Maybe they believe themselves to be. Is it true? What if they are merely the superior slaves that Charles Fort was talking about? That whoever really runs this, this place, whoever really runs the human farm, left a few superior slaves in charge and gave them a few genetic tweaks so they would have a little bit more of the preserved genetics and gives them the superiority complex. And even if you don't want to get genetic tampering, you can go just psychological idealism, right? You could be like, they just believe in it, right? They were raised through the cremation of care ceremonies, through the whole, you know, ladder and compartmentalization of these various cults that run behind your deep states. And they're simply carrying out something of an agenda in the world on behalf of something or someone else. And they're just the superior slaves left in charge. What if that's all they are? What if they aren't the pinnacle? What if there's something above them? Now, I just put this here. Um, the, the Cult of the Medics series recap was one of the funnest things to edit I've ever done. I freaking love the song. Uh, it's a song called Descending by Tool. I love that band. And um, I love this clip so much. I love it so much. It's uh, I've worked so hard on this. And I wanted to, you know, before we get into the whole nuts and bolts of the chapter, I give you a little series recap. I think I'm going to do a, a special recap for the last three chapters that we'll bring in. I just wanted to remind the audience of certain threads that we were following. Um, and I just uploaded it right before this show, just the recap. It's about 10 minutes total onto my Rumble page, my Rumble channel. Just look DW Truth Warrior and also my Rockfin channel. Go check that out. So if you want to just share that out, I think that little bit alone is a wake up call. I think it was well done. I loved it. And you can go and check it out right now on my, my channels. I'll share it on my social media after the show. Um, but yeah, please share that out. I think it'll work as a really nice sort of, I didn't do a trailer for this series. Um, I tried to keep this close to my chest. I don't know. That's just intuitively what I wanted to do. So this could act as a sort of trailer for it. If you want to share it out and get the word out. So I just wanted to point that out. And of course I overlaid the title on the, uh, you know, the witch's brew kind of concept. So where are we headed next? Ha <laughs> ha the club of Rome. So I think personally, the club of Rome is an amazing place to go with the people that are starting to wake up. Like they've realized, okay, what's with this great reset thing? What's going on with this globalist agenda? What's with all this, you know, one health and medical tyranny? And they see that and the people that are there and then they're all out there calling for the execution of Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all of that. And I'm like, okay, you know, I get it, but we need to understand there's a hierarchy here. All right. Uh, and just get to the club of Rome, like go there and just start to research that organization, its history, its founders and the ideas that they put out, the books that they commissioned to be written. And you'll realize once you start reading into who they are, that it sounds like their rhetoric sounds identical to the rhetoric of your Greta Thunbergs, your politicians right now, um, all the celebrities, the stuff you're seeing in all the Netflix films that are, you know, all this stuff. You're going to start to see that ideology coming out of the mouth of Ted Turner, coming out of the mouth of all these people, because these guys wrote the book that Bill Gates 
red that is now you know, you know he's carrying that out there's a level to this all right and then the club of rome you've got a direct connection with the knights of malta because many of the founding members were actual knights of malta all right so it just it's a nice little connectivity to start getting people to the next layer of things above what you see on the surface and then there's probably layers behind that of people we don't even know but club of rome you know just to give you a little teaser here's um uh, this isn't Aurelio Pecky. This is one of the other guys. I forget his name right now. I think this is Alexander King. And he was the one that said humanity itself is the enemy, right? And he has this statement. I, I, you don't hear him saying it in the clip, but I put the text of what he's saying in this clip. And it's him saying, the goal is the gradual diminishing, the whittling away at sovereignty little bit by little bit. This is their thinking. This comes from, you can get into the Royal Society, you can get into the Rhodes Scholarship, you can get into even the Bavarian Illuminati, you can get, I did a, a whole bit on my Truth Warrior Premium called The Occult Conspiracy. I'll get to that in a little bit here. I have a few bits out of that. Um, where I'm going into very specific organizations that started during the French Revolution and even before, and that a lot of these ideas, these isms, these political isms like communism, socialism, fascism, uh, crony capitalism, um, that all was cooked up in the halls of secret societies well before they became instituted on the social political level. And along with that came this agenda that there were too many humans on the planet. And in order to achieve a state of world socialism, which just means one ring of power to rule the entire human farm unabated, uh, we need to drastically reduce the human population. And I showed that in chapter nine as a direct quote from Lord Bertrand Russell, one of the initial founders of the Royal Society um, and a very esteemed British philosopher. So, you know, you can get these little tidbits throughout these different groups, and you can realize that this is the doctrine of the cult that's coming out of their mouths, that's being brought in different ways. Like the Club of Rome would be more interfacing, not with the general public as much. They would be interfacing more with the elites. This would be the books, the population bomb by Paul Ehrlich or any of these other, they'd be, that's like, that's the stuff that your presidents and prime ministers and above them are, are getting into. Okay. So the Club of Rome interfaces with the elite circles and then World Economic Forum is sort of a recruitment factory to bring different entrepreneurs and different people into the mix. Uh, you've got the World Government Summit, which is what they do to corral all your politicians and give them all you know, the wine and dining. It's very similar to what the pharmaceutical industries do to the doctors. They bring them out, wine and dine them, sell them the new drug. Here you go. We'll pay you 25 grand every time or whatever, and then off you go. It's very similar setup throughout all these organizations. But the main thing I wanted to show you was their ideology. Because when you can get to the premise of their ideology and the way they view reality, the way they view the world, and the way they view humanity, it starts to make more sense why they are doing this. So Club of Rome is a great place to start. And these are the people who brought you the new normal. The new normal being the new world order, the great reset. These are all just different names for the same bag of oats, my friends. 
they just figured, well, it re really had a lot of success freaking people out with this COVID thing. And so that was going to be our gateway drug to bring in the real new normal, which is all this other stuff. And what's behind the pandemic stuff is the transhumanist agenda, in my opinion. And it's not just transhumanism with, oh, let's just have some medical advancements so we can stop grandma from having so many strokes with, you know, brain chips put in her head. It goes well beyond that. All right. I think we can all agree well beyond that. You know, when you have Yoel Harari basically saying human rights are just something we made up. <laughs> Who is he? He's just another guy trying to interface with the public. So then we kind of zoom out of all this stuff for a sec and we go, all right, let's go further up the ladder. If we have this term, the overseers that Fort coined, and I'm using in this chapter to describe the thing that lies behind the veil of all these public faces. Are these overseers allies of humanity or its adversaries? Is the agenda for the human family a positive, benevolent agenda? Or is it a very negative and dark one? Are the real string pullers just a bunch of golden-hearted converted Scrooges that are trying to save the world from itself? Or are we literally dealing with something that is adversarial to us, that's declared humanity the enemy and is acting in that manner? Because it's by their fruits you're going to know them. I mean, there's the answer. I'll give it away to you. It's by their fruits you will know them. Not by their words. It's by their deeds. So this brings in the question of good and evil. This brings all the questions of religion and philosophy. And this gets really big really, really quickly. But I just thought, let me just throw that out there. Let you uh, ponder that one as we continue. So Don Juan Mattis, he was the character in Carlos Castaneda's uh, series. I did a little bit on chapter four with this one, but he has a, it just, again, sometimes it's when someone can sum it up in a certain way, it really gets you thinking. And he says this, what we have against us, he's talking about uh, humanity. What we have against us is not a simple predator. It is very smart and organized and it follows a methodical system to render us useless. And I just thought, how fitting when we're talking about the medical industrial complex, how fitting when we're talking about the decline in natural organic food sources and clean water sources and all the ways that we are poisoned. And I mean, just on that point, the question I always had, if all this stuff is so benevolent, it's about saving lives and equity and then why is everything so goddamn toxic? Who sits at the board level and goes, yeah, let's put some arsenic in that shit. Let's put some heavy metals in your cereal. Let's put that like 82 different heavy, heavy metals in the shots that we're giving little babies. Let's put known carcinogens in like literally everything in your fabric of your clothes. Like. It, it, you can't look at the world right now and look at all these different things going on. And again, look at the 40,000 foot view and sit back and say, every, every single one of those thousands of instances where toxicity is being pumped by these mega corporations into the public by various means, not just the medics everywhere. 
the cosmetic industry. There's lead in your lipstick. Like you read those books. It's freaking evil. It's anti-human. They're just trying to create customers. It's poison. And we've had many insiders to expose it. Heretics that came from outside the cult to go, guys, yeah, they're trying to poison you. They really do hate you. They're trying to dumb you down. They're trying to create customers for life. They're also trying to alter your DNA. There's a war for your DNA. I don't know if anybody got that memo. I think that much is clear. What if there's something extremely valuable about human DNA that is sought after? And what if there might be an agenda to alter it, to facilitate this transhumanist agenda that comes from an ancient cult ideology? Go check out uh, a show that I did. You can see it on my Rockfin, on my Rumble. It's also on Brighteon, a Brighteon package over there. Uh, if you want to support the series over there, uh, it's called The Ancient Transhumanism. And I sort of give you my theory on that just as another way of thinking of it. What if any of that's true? What if there's something bigger going on? But why is everything so toxic? Why is everything so upside down? Why is everything so backwards? Why is everything so poisonous to the human race? And yet we're like, nom, 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 this is great. Keep giving me pounds and pounds of white refined sugar every day intravenously along with my new COVID up, up booster shot. And let's see how long the human race survives and stays fertile. And then the toxic ideology going on about telling children that you can be whatever you want and we can just use the pharmaceutical industry. I think I'm going to do some more on this in chapter 11. We're going to use the big pharma industry to make trillions more off of mutilating surgeries and ster sterilizing drugs on children. And we'll, we'll make that a trend. We'll make it go viral on TikTok. And that's another way to poison the well and achieve depopulation and not just depopulation, but they want to depopulate at least in half. This is just what they said. I didn't say it. They said it and they've said it in many different ways. Um, depopulate the planet by half and then maintain humanity at that level. Remember the Georgia Guidestones? that thankfully exploded maintain humanity at 500 million maintain. So they're not just going to knock off a few bad apples. They want to maintain a certain number that's easier to control on the farm. They're getting too many people running around. There's too many variables. We can't have that 15 minute cities for the remaining billion or whatever that's left. And, uh, they'll be all highly controlled by artificial intelligence and directly connected to, you know, what was that thing in Terminator 2? Skynet? Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, if we look at it all together, what we have against this is not a simple predator. It is very smart and organized, and it follows a methodical system to render us useless so that we can't even see yeah, this was another bit. Uh, I love it. I put a little clip in there from the film, The Conspiracy. Came out in 2012. A phenomenal film. I love this film. It's made in Canada. Um, really, really good. And I just put the intro in there just as another piece. Oh, well said. And the guy in there, he's, these are just actors, right? And the guy's in there, he's like, that's the genius of these rulers. That they've created a society and conditioned the public to deny what's right in front of its eyes. And the interviewer is like, which is what, Mr. Conspiracy Theorist? Very simply, 
that we're slaves. You are a slave, Neil. Born into a prison you cannot feel or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. And that prison is designed to render you useless and put you in a Skinner box so that you will work on auto-hypnosis and not self-generated ideas, not your divine will. So here it is, proofs of a conspiracy. There's no conspiracy, Dave. It's impossible. All humans are just naturally good trying to do their best. Really? Let's go back to 1798, read something by John Robeson and go follow up on the actual threads that he put in there and see if there's any truth to it. And then compare notes with scores of other insider whistleblowers and researchers that have talked about the exact same thing. And then compare notes with what they predicted was going to happen with what has actually happening right now in 2023 and see if there is a criminal conspiracy against humanity happening. It's not for the benefit of humanity. It's sold as it is, but it's not. It's sold to you as this. This is a little screenshot from G. Edward Griffin's film, The Capitalist Conspiracy, where he's talking about the crony capitalist globalists. And uh, he's just talking about the rings within rings. And they're selling you on one hand humanism. Oh, this is about humanity and moving humans forward into the future. It's always the future. We got to be ready for the future. But on the other hand, well, it's actually a world government that we want. And some people might go, well, Dave, world government wouldn't be that bad. Maybe there'd be a way we could uh, settle all the differences and end war and poverty and inequality. I mean, that's what Antonio Gutierrez wants. Antonio Gutierrez, can't, he's the chief of the, of the United Nations. He can't even get through one speech without blipping it up because the guy's English is brutal and he's reading a teleprompter the entire time. Just like all your puppet politicians are. That's why I showed that bit with Trudeau, even though I don't like putting Trudeau's face on there. Just to show you, look, you see that guy's eyes going side to side as he's telling you about the Great Reset and how great it's going to be for Canada. Who wrote this script? The Presbyters did. Selling you humanity, and but behind it is world government, and behind that is this dark agenda for humanity that's been known behind the doors of these secret societies for hundreds of years. And just because we don't know about it doesn't mean it's nothing. And that's the statement. Unknown superiors. That those who were after uncontrollable power would be used and directed to service the ambition of their unknown superiors. Look at what happened. Look what's happening now. This was written in 1798. Do you think it has any veracity to it? Any truth to it? I'll leave it to you. So who are the unknown superiors? Who is beyond what you see on the surface? You see the two little groups. These are the two opposing factions, the left versus right. The religious mind versus the atheist mind. The male versus the female. The esoteric and the exoteric. Who rules that? Who manipulates the two sides? 
Are we cheering for Israel? Are we cheering for Palestine? Are we cheering for Ukraine? Are we cheering for Russia? Are we for the vaccine? Are we against the vaccine? Are we, you know, divisions, divisions, dualistic thinking, either or thinking, who manages this? Who puts this out? And then who runs it behind the scenes? Who's that? Who's beyond the capstone? That's what I'm trying to hint at. And I didn't think I answered it, but I hope I gave you the right questions at least. Clear and coordinated global action. This is a statement from Antonio Gutierrez as he was reading about the UN's push for a controlled media complex so they can control the information. They get to have a say in the information that you see. Kind of like what we've got going on in Canada right now. Where if you're a podcaster that makes more than $10,000 a year or $10,000 a month, or I don't know what they're, I don't know where it's at now. You have to register with the CRTC. You have to be regulated by the government and approved. That's going to be the way everything is run. Clear and coordinated global action to achieve and implement this great reset. Do these people even know who they're working for? <laughs> so here's, here's a, uh, Dennis Meadows, I, I like the way that I ended up, this clip ended up, where we're getting into statements made. And I could have gone, the whole film could have been back-to-back -back statements of these globalists talking about exactly what he was talking about. And I really wanted to point this out because, so this is Dennis Meadows. He's the director of the Club of Rome project on the predicament of mankind. They were operating a project. They were commissioned by somebody to do a project on this question of humanity's future. And he was the co-author of the book Limits to Growth, which basically highlights that humanity is a threat and depopulation is the only way out of all of our problems. And he says in this clip, if you notice, it's pretty creepy. He's like talking about peace. He talks a lot about peace. I want it to be peaceful. The transition, the extinction. He's like, we're, we're going to lose a significant amount of humans due to all the climate change and all the things that we believe in um, anyways. And I don't want to stop that. He says, I'm not trying to stop the, the natural culling of the human population. I don't want to stop that. He said, what I do hope is that we could do it in a peaceful way that it could be, we're not using violence anymore. This is the mindset of your typical socialist, right? Oh, you know, we're not going to use force and aggression. That's all the mean stuff. We're not going to be mean about it. We're going to be incredibly manipulative, secretive, and peaceful in our way of exterminating the vast majority of human beings. I hope it's a peaceful transition. This is the mindset of these little beta psychopaths. They're not going to come right out and say it because they're not alphas. If they were alphas, they would come out and go, Guys, there's too many of you. Line up on the wall. Cap, cap. Here we go. Right? That's what the alphas would do. Right in your, they wouldn't hide anything. There'd be no need for a conspiracy if you weren't petrified of being discovered. There'd be no need for secrecy. There'd be no need for blackmailing your politicians and the guys that run your health organizations so that they toe the line. And I like pointing this out because the word peace is used by a lot of different cults. And they all say, we want peace on the world, peace on earth, 
peace on earth. Well, what does peace on earth mean to you? Maybe you're just like, yeah, for me, peace means let's stop all this warring, killing, and let's stop all this primitive nonsense. Let's evolve. Let's explore the universe. Let's, let's make this planet a home worth living in. Let's build a future for our children. Let's install the principles of freedom and truth and justice into our societies. Let's progress. Let's make an abundant world. Let's make a good world. We've got evidence of evil, but we've also got evidence of good. So let's promote the good. That's your idea of peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. These people and many, many, many other cult leaders that I went through, whether it was Jim Jones or Robert DeGrimston or any of these other guys, they all sold peace and harmony to each other. What's the new age movement doing? Just bliss and peace. Well, the world's burning around behind you. And don't worry about all the child pedophilia and human trafficking that's going on in our own networks. That's just, you know, little perks that come with the job. We're here to achieve peace and harmony on the earth. They're all the same. They're all the same. And then Orwell's, you know, war is peace. So these guys are tongue in cheek. War is peace. So in, in they're financing wars. They're financing and profiting off of wars because you got your Rockefeller groups and all those other groups into the military industrial complex as well as the health industrial complex. And they profit off of war. And if you think about it, all the countries that engage in war get into terribly deep debt the more the wars go on, right? Like we're all giving Zelensky billions of dollars a week or something. He's like, any extra billions? Nobody wants to pay attention to me anymore. You're all obsessed about what's going on in the Middle East. I'm feeling left out. I need a few extra billies. I'm trying to achieve peace too. They're all trying to achieve peace while they're bombing the shit out of each other and hacking each other to bits. So there's what they say and then there's what they do. And if their agenda is about calling the human population in peaceful means, what do you think they mean? They're not going to pull out a shotgun and blow you away in public. They're going to put a needle in your arm that's going to kill you in 10 years. That's the peaceful way they talk about. We're going to induce wars in those more darker, primitive areas of the world and just get them kill each other off. It's just part of the cleanse. It's part of the purge. It's part of the purge. And we, we really hope it's going to be a peaceful one. Like, uh, they did a good job with the character in Game of Thrones, President Snow. Remember that guy? He spoke about peace. He spoke about unity. The rhetoric that he uses is like identical to what these guys are talking about. And in the movie, what did he turn out to be? One of the arch villains. And then even when he was overthrown by some resistance group, the resistance, the revolutions, what happened? They were just as dark and evil as he was. They were just competing over the, the throne of power in the end. And that is the, they're telling you the story of how this all works through media, through Hollywood. And I think you're too stupid to figure it all out and put it together. This is where they want the human race to go next. The recoding of the human DNA. But it's peaceful, so it must be good. Love these images, the recode. Utilizing pharma. We're going to have organ farms. I mean, they already have them, but they want this to be a public trade now. They don't want it to be black market. They want it to be white market. 
And I'm, I'm not so concerned about the little criminals that run in the black market or even some of the white market guys. I want to know who plays on both squares of the chessboard. The organ harvesting, that, uh, that great bit by Dr. Souter, that was a tough part of the chapter. I know I was trying to not get too much into that because it's just so dark, but I had to at least introduce it. We talked about that film by the two Davids who... Those that David's versus Goliath, that film, I, I put the trailer in there just to kind of highlight what Dr. Souter was saying. Those two guys that are fighting against the uh, organ trade in China. And that's just one little piece of the puzzle because we know that that's all connected to the greater uh, families and the greater international networks. Um, those are two Canadian chaps that have been fighting this for a long time behind the scenes. A lot of people didn't know about that. Uh, but yeah, you got now you can have the public organ farms. Right. Artificial wombs. Because everybody's going to be sterile in the future because they need to control. See, this has been an old dream since the eugenicists 100 years ago were writing about this. They want to control human reproduction. OK, just put it to you straight. You don't want free flowing. Oh, just have as much sex as you want and have as many babies as you want and blah, blah, blah. They don't, if they want to depopulate and maintain the number at a certain number, they can't have humans having the free power for a biological male to mate with a biological female, produce offspring and then birth them and then raise them. They don't want you to have that level of freedom anymore because that goes against what they're what their agenda is. So what's the future? Why are they trying to sterilize all your kids and brainwash them with a bunch of nonsense ideology that there's no such thing as men and women? Why? Because they want this artificial synthetic reproduction. What species would do this to itself? Neo-humans. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, right? Who freaking knows? Merging human DNA with reptilian DNA. They're, they're doing this. They're doing experiments like DARPA and all these groups and these Silicon Valley groups and these biotech groups. They're talking about it. They're advertising. Oh, we can do this. We can merge you with dolphin DNA and crocodile DNA. And we can enhance you. We can enhance you. That's why you got these shows like The Boys on Prime. All these superheroes. Oh, they're just enhanced humans. X-Men, XY chromosomes. What if I told you this shit isn't new? This isn't new. You can go down your reptilian rabbit hole if you want, but there's even other takes to that. But either way, they're trying to do it. They're trying to actually create this. And this is one of their things. So look what they're doing with animals. And then, yeah, here you go. What's who are these secret? This is all run by at the top of it. You look at these secret society networks and this is where David Icke's section is so brilliant because he's building it out. He's going, okay, start from here, start working your way out, out into the strands of the web until you get to the spider. And he believes the spider as that metaphor is not human. And I'll let you just decide what you think about that. I give you a few options uh, in this chapter as to what it could possibly be, but you know, Either way, you do have a spider web style network of compartmentalization, meaning the further away from the spider of the spider's web that you get, the less people that are involved in this agenda know the whole agenda. They are little worker ants, cogs in a wheel 
that do their little part and probably believe they are just the best person ever doing amazing humanitarian work. Bill Gates probably believes everything that he says. These guys are all MK ultra you know, indoctrinated. They're indoctrinated in the same way that like ISIS is indoctrinated or any of these cultists are indoctrinated. Humans can become indoctrinated. Just newsflash. How easy is it to look at what, I mean, come on. If you think this is crazy, how easy was it for them to indoctrinate the entire planet in like 24 hours? All they had to do is tell you there's a scary virus running around. It's behind your, it's under your bed. It's in the room with us right now. And it's going to fucking destroy you and kill her. And, and we need to do all these things. I'm not even saying they didn't release something. I believe they actually did, but he, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter all that stuff. Look what they did. They weaponized fear, the phobias of humanity that they know they've got the Rolodex of all your phobias sitting there and go, oh, let's pick this one. Everybody's a germ phobe. So let's do that. Oh, they're afraid of asteroids. Let's play that. Oh, they don't. World War Three is a big phobia. Mass nuclear holocaust is a big phobia. Let's play that card for a little while. Alien invasions. And let's go through the Rolodex until we achieve this. The agenda that was baked up behind lodge doors. What is the agenda for humanity? What's the real agenda? What's the agenda as told to many of the initiates that think it's all benevolent? And what's the real agenda? That's, I mean, again, we just got to look to the proof in the pudding to get some hints on the real agenda. You don't need to go much further than that, to be honest. And talking to cults, I mean, they got different brands. They got the climbing. Oh, you're afraid the, the sun is going to crash into the planet or melt the place? We got a cult for that. Literally have a bunch of cultists wearing cultist garb that come from the Roman period. And we're going to have them marching around the streets telling you about the guilt complex that you should have as a human being, even breathing and farting on planet Earth right now, unless you pay taxes. And they got these people gluing their hands to the pavement and interrupting soccer games and destroying priceless works of art. They got the, they've weaponized and indoctrinated the minds of these young kids, the poor souls. Because who really pays the dividends to these universities? Who pays the dividends to your doctors? Who pays the dividends to your media pundits? Cultists. That's what I think. And just another, another refrain, just random bits that start leading you to the same conclusion. Benjamin Disraeli, first prime minister of Britain, 1874 to 1880, where he said, for you see, the world is governed by very different personages from what is imagined behind the scenes. Who are the personages? Here's your triple crown. Get your cult of Rome, the Rome, the club of Rome. Where do you think it started? The club of Rome. Where do you think they got the name from? Knights of Malta, Templar orders, Vatican Jesuit, secret society founders, sun cults galore. They've got you by the balls. Absolutely loved this section too, this uh, little bit. It turned out brilliant. I loved it. Worked really hard on it. It's like, it's not even a, a, a section. It's just like a section that leads us into, I think, part three. 
and it just opens up with this quote by Alan Watts. Men, so this will this is good because this is some insight for you to help explain the why. Why, like what kind of people are these roundtable groups and secret orders and political groups and world economic forums? What kind of people are they recruiting into their ranks to facilitate this global agenda? What kind of people? What kind of people are clapping and cheering for them? What kind of people start cults to begin with and start these radicalized movements to begin with? Always under the false advertising slogan of it's for humanity. We're saving the world from evil. Just worship me. I'll lead you through the darkness. These are people that worship ideas, right? So Alan Watts, he says it perfectly. Men who have dehumanized themselves by becoming the blind worshipers of an idea are fanatics whose devotion to abstractions makes them the enemies of life. That's like a Sasaisen, man. That's like samurai sword, whoosh, done. That is your profile right there. That's who they are. They are idea-worshipping people. They are they're fanatical in their devotion to abstractions. That's their belief in their world that's overpopulated and all this climate shit and all this COVID stuff. They create abstractions. And then people that don't have the ability to actually awaken and brighten their consciousness so that it can focus long enough to actually learn the facts of reality, they will jump on that board right away. They'll jump right into the cult. Please, where's the nearest cult? Sign me up. I'm hopelessly terrified of being a self. I'm hopelessly terrified of thinking on my own, of, of interpreting the facts of reality on my own. So I want to go to the priests, the overseers, the shepherds of humanity to say, oh, well, you tell me what reality is. And they know how to be like, I'm the one that's got reality. So sit at my feet. Kiss this signet ring. Do these little rituals, dance around naked for me. And then here's some Kool-Aid. That's who we're dealing with on both ends, with the cult leaders and my focus of the entire thing, which was, I, I know the world is full of people that want to lead cults, bunch of little man syndromes. I get it. But why the hell do we keep going and buying into it? These John of Gods and all these freaks. Why do we keep lining up around the block for Walter Applewhite and Jim Jones and Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau? That's why. Love this statement. Richard Hoagland, say what you want about the man. He had some brilliant stuff. Made some mistakes too, but that's okay, aren't we all? This one statement alone is just... Just to talk again about the compartmentalization, the lie is different at every level and that's how they run it. So these people believe in abstractions. The I'm talking about the lower ranks, the people actually doing the worker ant level of this agenda. They believe the lie at their level and then they go up to the next level and that group has a different lie that they believe. This is how the secret societies were formed. We've got the quotes, we've got the quotes from people like Adam Weishaupt and many others. Giuseppe Manzini and Albert Pike and the like, who talk about the compartmentalized structure of some of these secret societies. So no, not all your Masons are bad. Many of them are really good, upstanding, moral people who want to just research some esoteric ancient knowledge. Great. Lovely. <laughs> the lie is different at every level. You're, you're not at red in. 
to what you're really going on behind the scenes at the top in the elite black lodges that are well above your rank. It's the same in the, you're a little doctor working in a hospital, you're a nurse, you're a little aide, pushes people around on the beds. You're at such a low level of this totem pole, not to insult you personally, you do brilliant work and you're very valued. I'm talking about just in terms of the bigger agenda of the world health tyranny. You don't know because you're not in the know. The lie is different at every level. That's how, the, at, at the very least, if you're still sit back and go, there's no conspiracy, you're just kind of blowing things out of proportion here. At the very least, I could say, well, if we were to speculate on the possibility that maybe there is an agenda like this, isn't this in this speculation land that we're in, isn't this how you would do it? it? We could at least agree that this would be how you would do it. You would just create a compartmentalized structure like the military and you would keep the lie different at every level. And then you would bring everybody in at that door and you would keep them there and compartmentalize everything. So they don't know the bigger project they're working on. They only work on a little tiny piece of it and they don't know that they're what they're doing. Uh, ultimately, they just want to get their paycheck and go home and have beer and pizza on the weekend like everybody else. I mean, that's how you would do it. So we understand a very coherent strategy of how to achieve world dominion without anybody really quite understanding how it's working and what's going on. We at least know that there's a way to do it. The question is, has anybody employed this strategy in history or right now? And that's where the real debate is. So you can't, you, the, what I'm trying to do is you, when you're talking to people about this and they're still kind of waking up and figuring it out, you got to sit back and go, you at the very least can't say that I'm just crazy and speculating. It's just this, all this world speculation and all this stuff that we're just insane anymore because it's very plausible at the very least. And then we get into the details and then, as we try to do and prove out the fact that, yeah, there is something very dark going on. And I think at this point, more and more people are starting to see it because how could this level of evil, all the things going on, all this, all the stuff you're hearing about, how could this level of evil go unchecked and unstopped under the watch of the watchers, under the watch of the overseers? It's, it's allowed to continue. If it's all, Ponies and rainbows. How is this world so evil? How is this world so dark? They can locate you in a nanosecond by track and trace. If you left your home for 20 minutes without checking in with the app or wearing your mask or getting your jab updated, or if you didn't pay your taxes, they can haul you in front of a judge and put you in jail in a nanosecond. If, if you try to flee and go hide out, hide out in the Congo or something, they'll still track you down. So they have the ability to focus their attention wherever they want. And yet, look at the predation of young children happening. Look at the evil happening. Look at the cancer rates. Look at the myocarditis exploding everywhere. You're telling me they don't know? You're telling me they couldn't do anything about it? It was another bit from uh, Dr. Souter where he was ending his bit. Um, he's, in chap he's in part one, A World in Shadow where uh, he's breaking down the three things that he brought up that got him to conclude that there's a, a controlling structure like this happening. And it was uh, 
human trafficking and slavery, because real slavery, if you want to get into the whole slavery of the past, I mean, what about the 50 million slaves that are actually like real like slaves? Like I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm talking about like actual slaves that is, still exist in the world right now. Why aren't we dealing with that? We're still battling these unhinged radicals on history that is very, there's no nuance in their history whatsoever. It's just one way. Yet slavery as a, as a institution still exists. I'm talking physical slavery. And then there's the slavery of the mind that people like Bob Marley and what's sung about and other people warned you about that is like just completely uh, ubiquitous everywhere in the sense that that guy in that conspiracy clip was saying, there's that slavery. And then he saw, he talked about organ harvesting and not, not organ harvesting from just people who die. And then they go, oh, well, we'll take their organs and do some good work with it. <laughs> Killing people for the purpose of taking their organs, raising birthing and raising children for the purpose of sacrificing them for the purpose of having them, their organs sold in the illegal organ harvesting trade. It's dark. Are you telling me, this is what he says at the end of it. Are you telling me that the military and the intelligence agencies and the police services don't know anything about human trafficking? Don't, and the level of it and the fact that it's servicing elite members of people that work in authority, power, and trust the organ harvesting, all this, you think they don't know about it. And yet they're more concerned with making sure you got updated with your recent booster shot and that you got your taxes paid up. So there's no innocent explanation. Not in my book, not in my book. So what if there are some very pernicious ancient cults behind all that stuff? And they have their doctrines and they have found a way to put the doctrine of the cult out to the public unchallenged by the means of censorship. That was another point brought up in this chapter. If they can corral the market of your mind and not allow you to have access to other sources of information so that you can actually exercise your free will and think for yourself. The only people that would do that are people that have something to hide. Which also tells you that they're not as strong and powerful as you might think because they're actually cowards. And like I said, little man, little woman syndrome on steroids which is why they're so psychotic and why they're so manipulative and why they use conspiracy as their methodology. The cloak and dagger stuff comes from the fact that they are petrified of being discovered on the big level. If it was all in the up and up, we wouldn't have to hide anything, would we? we they would be like, oh, the truth fears no one. We don't need to censor anybody. We'll just put the truth out there. It stands completely vindicated and it's unchallengeable and unquestionable. So have at it guys. Best of luck to you. No, they want the singular message reaching your brain from their brain so that you can be programmed for whatever purpose they want. And what's one of the big agendas 
Well, they want the global health tyranny because they know that that would be a good way to have an updated new world religion in a way, the religion of health, a weaponized uh, system where they're not really giving you health. They're creating the tyranny and the padding their pockets and seizing power by way of introducing a threat to the public. The public has the public mind. The gentleman was bringing up the mass formation psychosis earlier. That's all part of it. That's the way you manipulate the public mind. It's known and it's easy to do. And yet there's a way to break out of it, which, you know, that's always positive. We don't have to go this way, but we will, if nothing, if we stop, if we don't support, if, sorry, if we will go the way they want to this global health tyranny and all these things I've mentioned, unless we exercise our free will and go, nope, we're not doing it. That's literally all we got to do. So you got this little bit who highlights the need of global systems. Everything's we need global systems. What do you think global systems are? Systems of what? Systems of how we can hand out like little rubber gloves all over the world, make sure everybody's sterile and intubate and, and incubators and medicines. Or is it global health systems of control similar to what we saw during the pandemic? But they want it perpetual. They want it ongoing. They did tell us it's the new normal, right? So that's what they want. They've said it. They're like, we're not going back to the old normal where it's going to be the new normal moving forward. And as the, everybody stops losing their fear of the, of COVID, it's just being so, oh, it's just like another flu now probably always was. And nobody's really afraid of it. Do you think they're going to back down and go, oh, okay, we'll relinquish all of our power. <laughs> nope. They want this to go on perpetuity. So we can't let our countries sign on to these agreements. They want to tell you, this is right from the World Health Organization. We will tell you what therapeutics and alternative health you can use. We got, we're going to give you the guidelines. That's how they always say new rules and laws that you will be fined and arrested for not following. They're just guidelines and recommendations. That's what they want. And then this one health. I really wanted to do a lot on this in this chapter because I want you guys out there, if possible, to be digging on this. Because this is uh, this is how the, this is one of the gateways in. One health, one world, one leash. The one eye, the one ring to rule them all. It's just like it's right there. One health. This is from their own website. By linking humans, animals, and the environment. Just do that again so you don't miss it. By linking humans, animals, and the environment, One Health can help to address the full spectrum of disease control from prevention to detection, preparedness, response, and management, and contribute to global health security. This is just their propaganda now, but it's telling you what it's all about. The approach can be applied at the community, subnational, national, regional, and global levels, and relies on shared and effective governance. What a nice little PR version of how to say it, world government. Relies on shared and effective governance. We share our governance as one. Communications, collaboration, and coordination. These are just buzzwords for one system of control through by way of the medical institutions 
that will, as they did before, supersede your national laws and constitutions, which are just toilet paper now. That's what they want. They're saying it. There it is. There's your little triangle. <laughs> you got the workers, the animals, and the environment. And it's all about linking them all together. And if we think the environment is under threat, we can come in and declare a pandemic and take over. If we think animals are spreading disease, we can come in, declare a pandemic and take over. If we think it's the workers, declare a pandemic and take it over. So what they're creating here is this brilliant bit. We had, um, oh, why am I blanking out? My brain is so full of things. Uh, Josh and I had him on the show. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. He's a good friend too. Anyways, it'll come to me. Sorry guys, I've been a long week. <laughs> the Skinner box part, part three is so good. Um, by the way, it was the most challenging section to edit. I had so many little ticks and glitches in the audio and I had to comb through it like literally a hundred times to make it nice and smooth, but it all worked out in the end. And, uh, Skinner box And this is about BF Skinner, the behaviorist and his experiments with pigeons and rats and mice as to how you can change and modify behavior through different varying systems of reward through some kind of a, a schedule of reward that he talked about. And then he literally applied his theories to what he called the human subject. How's that we could, we can get the humans to operate like this little pigeon here, where this pigeon is shown two words. And when he sees the word peck, He's programmed to peck that little bit or he's, and then he gets food as a reward. And sometimes there is no food. So there's a, a certain way that they play the different levels of how to do this, but they manipulate this poor bird to a point where they've got him completely controlled. And he can actually recognize when the board says peck and then he pecks it. And then he knows, oh, if I do that, I'm going to get food. And they can use the reward system to make, to change the behavior. He's under, he's under a, trance they, they, they changed the behavior of this bird they did it to mice they tested this for a long time and then they literally used the project to see how they could apply this to what they called the human subject it's fascinating and pretty disgusting as well and then you got this thing groupthink you know how groupthink impacts our behavior and this brings you into the whole thing about the public mind and the mass formation psychosis and how they induce it so they did all the science already and they are just wheeling it out to put you in a Skinner box so that, and what's the point? Well, they want you to believe that all of your opinions and all of your knowledge is organic, that that's your opinion. It's your opinion that you need to wear two masks while you're driving alone in your car. You came to that opinion. You're educated, aren't you? You're the educated one. And there's so many other examples. Oh, what flag are you flying right now? There's like 86 flags that I'm supposed to be flying in order to be equitable right now. Skinner box, nothing more. Nobody knows anything about what went down in Ukraine or what's going on in the Middle East or what went down with the pandemic. Nobody knows. 
even the experts that think they know, you know, nothing, you're still low on the totem pole. You weren't sitting around the round table groups when this whole thing got kicked off. You don't know where the big decisions are coming from. You're not monitoring every single thing that the world health organization and all those guys behind them are doing. You just think, you know, and so then what do you do? You behave based off of the perceptions that were installed in your mind. And you operate as though that is your organic opinion and mode of operation. Just like that poor pigeon thinks that it's just operating normally. It probably thinks it's on some street corner in New York City, just pecking away and just eating food. Like it doesn't even realize it's in a lab being experimented on and having its behavior modified by suggestions <laughs> by a team of scientists. And that's us on the human farm. We think we know, we believe we know all these things, but really, and I'm not saying you don't know anything. I don't want to make people go crazy here. You can, but, but here's my thing. I, and I, I had a little bit in this bit as in this section as well, where I was just trying to bring up the point. Okay. So all these opinions that people are generating, they're guided into a Skinner box. They think it's their opinion, but it's not because of the fact that there's something missing from the formulation of that opinion. That opinion came through the power of suggestion. It wasn't earned through the process of deep research, thinking, introspection, contemplation, exercising your rational faculties, observing the facts of reality, comparing data, being open to change when new information comes across your path. That's not the place people are operating from when they're running to Costco to buy out all the toilet paper. That's not where people are operating from when they're cheering for the deaths of countless thousands of civil innocent civilians. That's not where people are operating from when they are ignoring obvious signs, the elephant in the living room, uh, that why do we have all these young people dropping of heart attacks? Like that just never happened before. What's going on? What was it like three or four celebrities in their forties and fifties that are found dead due to cardiac arrest in the past week alone? People just go about and we're being guided through algorithmic control on social media. Your children are being attacked by the Skinner box technique by having their news feeds clogged up with all this communist propaganda and trans propaganda, all this other stuff. And then now look at us divided. We're all picking sides and all the latest things. Ooh, what side are you on? What side are you on? <laughs> We're beyond sides, left, right, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, vaccine, no we're, we're What I'm telling you is get zoom out of that crap. I, I know there's, there's arguments to be made on all sides, on all those different issues. We're not, I'm just trying to say, I'm not even commenting on that. That's not my area of expertise. You should study it. You should inform yourself. Fine. Go ahead. Pick a side. I don't care. The bigger sides have already been drawn and it's organic humanity versus the future. If this agenda goes through and the people that are facilitating it. So it's humanity versus the overseers. That's the sides. They see you as a useless eater, a turd that needs to be flushed. They see you as primitive. They hate the fact that you love your freedom. That's why they want to diminish sovereignty little bit by little bit over a long period of time. How, how, how do you think they're going to achieve the diminishing of sovereignty little bit by little bit? The club of Rome, how do you, how, what's by which, by what method are they going to achieve that? The Skinner box. That's how. 
program the young generations. This is what they did in China to bring in communism. This is what they're going to do to the whole world. They're going to erase history. This is George Orwell 101. They, they erase the past. So that's how, that's how they control the past is by editing it and erasing it. My fear is we'll have the future historians looking back on this time. They might not even have access to all the information if all of this, all of us that have been covering this other side of things, if this all just gets deleted and turned off. That's why I'm always telling you guys, back things up, you know, save it on hard drives, uh, get as much paper copies of everything and put them in storage like safes <laughs> for the future. So that the future doesn't march on with, well, we just had an, just like we did with the Spanish flu. Oh, we just had a flu. This is what happened. This is now adopted theology in society that this is what went down and the Rockefellers came in and saved us all. And then, oh, we had a pandemic in 2020 and thank God for that World Health Organization, man. They saved so many lives. Meanwhile, we've got a whole documented history of the criminality that went involved with it and the fake science and the fake studies and the sponsored publishing companies that have had to retract their art. Like, is that history going to stay documented for the future generations? Or is it going to be presented as so much of our history has been presented through the lens of the victors? So that's why we can't let them win because then the lie will continue and future generations will never even know any of this resistance happened. They'll never even know the truth was available and we had it documented and it was there for you. That's all going to be erased and burned. That's why you got fact checkers. That's why you're getting your channels deleted. That's why they don't want to, you, you control the past by controlling the present. If you control the present and the past, you can dictate the future. That's the prize. That and human genetics, of course, but yeah. So, and ultimately, um, this is game theory. That's what Ben Stewart, that's it. There you go. Sorry, Ben. I know your name, bro. I just having a brain fart. Ben Stewart, fantastic interview. I love that interview. We had a good one. Make sure you go watch the whole thing. And by the way, in the, the Rumble video of chapter 10, go look in the description. I have all the musical artists there. Uh, I have all the, I have the link to the documentary, the conspiracy. I've got, um, the links to the full interviews that I took these bits from, so you can go watch the full things. But yeah, Ben Stewart is just bringing up this idea of game theory, that this is what this is. This all this stuff with the jump spark Maui after the Maui fire. Like how many things, the wildfires all over the place. How many things, I, I can't even remember all the things that have happened out of the ordinary in the span of like 12 months. We can't even, I can't even keep it all in my head. That's how many things are happening. And now the next thing, and now the next thing. So something's going on. And we could have two sides to this war too. And I'm talking about at the elite level. I believe that there are people within those same secret societies in the world health organ, in these organizations that know what's going on. They figured it out. They have access to information. We don't, and they are trying their best to fight back. I believe it. I believe that's why we're not all toast right now completely. And that we even have alternative media and we even have a way of distributing this information. It wouldn't be there without the work of good people. And it, good people on the ground like you and me and good people up at the top. There's a war happening on this planet over this, the real war that all the little micro wars are just little effects of this is the real game. Game theory is being applied. 
Game theory is the study of mathematical models of strategic interactions among rational agents. It has applications in all fields of social science, as well as in logic, system science, and computer science. The concepts of game theory are used extensively in economics as well. So it's a strategy that's being employed. It's a mathematical strategy. And it can be used for good or evil. Oh, I just wanted to point this out. There's a few little things that I put in there. I don't know if everybody caught <laughs> this guy. This is this this clip was from one of the World Health or, or no World Economic Forum uh, little videos, and they just popped this guy up, Robin Niblett. I have no idea who he is, but apparently he's a distinguished fellow at Chatham House. So he's out there, one of the poster boys for the WEF, giving his little take on smart cities or whatever the hell. And I just noticed that I was like, oh, distinguished because I was watching the clip to, to find some good clips to put into it. And I, I just noticed it. Oh, Chatham House. I, that rings a bell. Who the hell is the Chatham House? Now, this is just the Wikipedia entry. OK, you can go read uh, Anthony Sutton. There's a, yeah, Anthony Sutton. Um, so many guys have written on the Chatham House. Michael Tessarian talks about it a lot um, and, and many others. Chatham House. <laughs> It was formerly the Royal, Royal Institute of International Affairs. Commonly known as Chatham House is a British think tank based in London, England. Its stated mission is to help governments and societies build a sustainably secure, prosperous, and just world. That almost sounds like word for word what the Club of Rome's mandate was in their own distribution video that I've included in uh, numerous chapters of this series. An equitable, sustainable world and prosperous world. This is their propaganda. It is the originator of the Chatham House rule. And it's located in James Square, London, England. I actually walked past it when I was there. And then I went up the road to Tavistock Institute just to say hello. So yeah, global think tanks. This is your royal, you know, this goes to the royal family. This goes to the history. There's your black nobility in the modern time. You know, uh, in Canada, we have an offshoot because we're just a British vassal. Uh, we have an offshoot here called the Canadian Council of Chief Executives. It's a very similar think tank. It's an extension of Chatham House. So Chatham House has its little, it's like Umbrella Corporation, and it's got its little satellite organizations all over the bloody place. So anyways, just wanted to point that out in case you missed it. And then as we wrap this one, we're going to probably my favorite section in chapter 10, although there's so many good ones. Um, it's the psychology of dependence. I believe I'm going to do, no, I will. I'm going to do an entire show on this because it, it deserves it. But that bit, which is a bit by Nathaniel Brandon from a lecture that he gave in 1968 called the psychology of dependence. Uh, it's just, I've, I've probably listened to it in whole, in full. It's about three hours long. I've listened to it in full, probably 12 times now. And I had to clip it up. Like I had to clip just to give you uh, the overview of what the whole talk is about. The insightfulness of this it's, it's the reason it's so valuable and it's so powerful is because when you're watching it and I put the visuals, I hope they were good visuals and sick music. Just love the music, how it turned out. 
Um, and I love, I, I made it a little personal as I always do. I love like thunderstorms and rainy days. Those are the days that I'm sitting at home reading books and listening to lectures like that. And it's funny because, uh, in the, in the beginning, this little scene of the rain falling on the house and there's a storm going on outside. And then there's this lecture playing in the background. I'm actually replaying the first time I listened to the lecture. Uh, that was the weather. I was having a nice cozy day that day. It was like a Saturday afternoon. It was a thunderstorm going on and I was sitting there drinking my tea and, uh, listening to this lecture. And so I kind of wanted to put a little bit of that feeling in the film of when I first encountered this. And, um, so yeah, I try to put some of that in the, in there as well. Um, and I'll also I'll say at, at this stage, the opening scene where we actually is the opening scene I put into this video where we're talking about the overseers quote, that oceanfront view is the, that I call that place, my church, man. That's where I go. I've gone there since I moved into this new house. It's a little place that's right across the street from me. It's just this stunning little place. And I, I feel the, a very high vibration there. Um, it's actually where I cast my mother's ashes when she passed away. It's where I built a little rock tower to her uh, up on that bluff that I'm sitting where I was doing that little bit. My daughters actually helped me film those scenes just to have a little bit of B-roll uh, where I'm, I, I discover the book and I'm reading the book. The book I've discovered, I discover in that scene is uh, The Occult Conspiracy by Michael Howard which is the book that I did that premium about. Um, but anyways, that's where I put that little rock tower. So that place uh, that you see the waves crashing, those scenes, and the when I'm up on that bluff overlooking the water, that place has a very special personal meaning to me. And it's where I go to speculate. It's where I go when my voice is over narrating that scene. That's me because that's what, my, that's what I do. I go to that place and I think about this constantly. If I need a break from just editing or working or whatever, I need to get away, clear my head. That's my, that's my thinking place. That's where I, I, I speculate about all these thoughts. So I felt like it was rather fitting to have it sort of recreated in the film. So a little personal, little personal anecdote there as to why it was done like that. But this bit, wow, it's so powerful because you know, it's true. Like he gives the psychology of the slave which is the psychology of dependence. And then he gives the psychology of the dictator and how there's a relationship between the two, which is a very important theme that Michael and I have covered for years now on the Unslaved podcast, getting into the psychology, even though we get in shit for people going, I don't want to go on the psychology rabbit hole again. Yeah, well, it's too bad. You need to know how this works in order to fix it. So uh, the psychology of dependence, you know, and I brought the theme from the film, the show, The Prisoner, which is, basically the mascot of unslaved and it's a, a, an incredible show symbolic symbolically rich of all the things we're talking about it's so important to understand this because this is how the overseers rule and they know it and we don't and when we know it their power is gone and that's why i finished that bit by saying the battle is for your hearts and minds and that's where the war can finally be won and then that's where we get some little introductory bits of knowledge from Nathaniel Brandon on this, of how to win this, how to win that you win it by becoming conscious of it. When you become conscious of it, when you, here's an example, we've used it many times, but it's good. When you become conscious 
of the methodology of the magician on the stage, you're not fooled anymore. Or the methodology of the stage hypnotist, you can't be hypnotized. When you are conscious and focused on what exactly is happening to deceive you, you see the deception and you can't unsee it. What, what that is, is it's process of bringing things from the subconscious into the conscious. Your subconscious has the antenna searching and scanning at all times, and it knows a lot more than you think. And then the conscious mind is designed to protect you from trauma and from all these other things. So you're only getting a really narrow bandwidth when you're talking about conscious awareness. But what you're doing when you discover something true and real, or when you discover the elements that make up a deception or a lie, or something that's trying to fool you when you make that unconscious because unconsciously your soul, your your imperial self knows that it is that but the conscious mind might protect you from knowledge of that because maybe something in you is traumatized by facing reality which is pretty much the biggest pandemic that is happening amongst the human race um and so when you know that and you realize that's being used against you to create Skinner boxes of all kinds for you to jump into so that you're controlled and you're not free and organic the way you were meant to be. Um, when you bring that unconscious material to the conscious mind, the power of it is gone. The deception's gone. The veil's been lifted. It's over. You'll never unsee it. That's why very few people go back to sleep once they wake up to what's going on. It's hard to go back into the matrix after you realize it's a freaking matrix. You know what I mean? So brilliant insight. I, I, I could watch that bit every day, all the time. Like, it's just so good. And I would like to do a full scale, like deep dive into more of what Brandon gets into about how this works, the dynamics of it. And he really focuses on the fact that you can become, it, when you're not a, a person of, intellectual sovereignty, as he calls it. I love that term, intellectual sovereignty. When you're not a man of intellectual sovereignty or a woman of intellectual sovereignty, which takes strength, it takes the application of your will, it takes courage, and it takes self-love to do. So if you don't possess those qualities, you aren't going to operate as a, a being of intellectual sovereignty you are going to then need reality to be told to you by others. So the intellectually sovereign person encounters reality on his own first. You see reality, you see the things going on around you, and you go through the process of trying to learn about it for the purposes of facilitating your survival. And not just your physical survival, but your emotional, your intellectual, psychological survival, right? So... The truly free sovereign being encounters and, and seeks the nature of reality on their own. Now, that doesn't mean you don't learn from people and you, you, you have to. That's part of seeking the reality is you need to learn from as many different signals and cues as possible. Part of that is collecting data that's been accumulated by others. He's not talking about not listening to other people. He's talking about how it's the mode by which you operate to do that. So if I'm looking to find out what the truth is and I want to know the facts of reality, because that's what the truth stands for is what's the facts of reality. I need to engage my intellectual sovereignty in the process. I have to engage my mind in it. 
and I have to remove my own biases, which biases are just little gates that you've put in your own self-constructed Skinner box, because that's that's the other conversation we have to be had. Not all this stuff comes from some controllers or overseers. It's self-imposed in many cases. So you create your own Skinner box in your head to deceive yourself into seeing reality in a way that better suits your feelings, which means you're not comporting with the facts of reality anymore. You're constructing a false matrix illusion on reality, on nature to alleviate anxiety about nature and about reality and about the truth, because the truth might be hard. Nature punishes you on a daily basis if you don't obey the natural law and people don't like that. So what do they do? They escape away from it. They repress it. They adopt the ideas of other people not as a way of reflecting on the facts of reality and going, hey, good point. Let me think about that and let me keep searching. It's That's why they become cultists. They go, I need to go to other people. Other people know reality better than me. Other people have the ability to discover the truth better than me. So I'm going to go to the priests. They know what's really going on in the afterlife and up with the gods. I'm going to go to the scientists and trust the science because those are the guys that know the facts of reality better than anybody else. Not to say that there isn't a role for priests or, or scientists, but you know what I'm saying. The, the non-sovereign mind seeks it and goes, I'll put anything in there that's not my own in order to do what? What was his statement at the end as to what the source of all this evil is? All these things, why do people join cults? Why do cult leaders stay in business? Why does big pharma stay in business? Why do corrupt politicians and governments that steal your land, your, re your resources, they tax you and they take all your money and they give it to their criminal mafia friends and they don't even care about it and they build tyrannies and they impose, like you're, it's not just them doing it, it's us buying it. And we're buying it because we're installing their view of reality in our minds. That's what the cult that's what the cult follower does. They go to Walter Applewhite or John of God or Oprah Winfrey or Bill Gates and they go and install a paradigm, please. I do not have the courage and the strength to create my own paradigm and learn from it and evolve with it organically. I don't want to be intellectually sovereign. That's too much work effort and I'm too riddled with anxiety to be able to do that. So I'll just install your beliefs and your view of reality into my mind and walk around parroting it as if I invented it. And most people are happy to do that. The vast majority of people are happy to do that. But to truly think for yourself, you get into some Bruce Lee on this, you get into some Nathaniel Brandon and some of these great thinkers. Um, they're, asked, they're advocating for something completely different that would make you invincible to tyranny. Don't you want to be invincible up here to tyranny? Tyranny isn't something separate from you. Tyranny happens. Evil happens. Criminals run around unpunished and unchallenged in a world full of people that are avoiding facing the facts of reality that things like human har organ harvesting, human trafficking, the culling of the population through a slow, steady drip feed of God knows what is happening. You'd rather avoid facing that, wouldn't you? And that's why you're so hated if you point it out to people. That's the real reason. It's not because they have an argument against what you're saying. 
They have zero argument. They are of the mind of other people. They are not their own mind. They are not intellectually sovereign. And just because you're intellectually sovereign doesn't mean you're right either. So keep that on the block. Being intellectually sovereign means you're the seeker. You're not concluding on anything. You're just experiencing and documenting and getting as close as you can, knowing that a lot of the facts of reality are hidden from us. And you're okay with it. But when you're living in fear and anxiety, like the whole world got thrust into in many different ways, you're going to take the advice of an Anthony Fauci. You're going to take the advice of a Joseph Goebbels. You're going to take the advice of a, you know, Dr. Kevorkian or whatever. You're going to believe what you want to believe because it's about what you want to be true based on your feelings, not about what is actually available to you. And in this, you create something called psychological dependence. That's the drug. The puppet masters know it. They know how to spin the best. Here, we're the reality. We're the reality. Don't think for yourself. Trust the science. Trust us. Trust the priests. It's the same as it's always been. And then... People wonder why they're living in a world full of evil, tyranny, and corruption. And he says it. It's all because people are choosing to avoid exercising their volitional consciousness. They are terrified of it, which is why they prefer to believe that free will doesn't exist. They have no free will. Your deterministic robot, what a convenient argument for the transhumanist agenda coming down the pipeline and the installation of global tyranny and the belief that human rights are just things that we invented. They would love you to believe that because they benefit from you believing that. And you, you not you, but the person that would be choosing this path would love to believe that because it gets you off the hook of personal responsibility of facing your own volition and exercising your own will and brightening your mind and learning to educate yourself, pay attention, focus it takes a lot of work better to just start sitting here, commenting on other things and, and thinking other things and pointing out things that are irrelevant and distract. It's distracting. You're distracting yourself from reality and reality has gotten pretty dark. So I don't even blame anybody. But it'll just keep getting darker until we stop avoiding the facts of reality and start facing them and then working to do something that only human beings can do, which is to change reality. To a certain degree, there's a certain little wiggle room that we have as an ability <clears throat> to change things. And you can start on your own individual life and work from there just to prove it to yourself. And then, yeah, when you team up with other intellectually sovereign consciousnesses and you go around and you create great waves of change, you can cause great things to change. And in fact, in history, it's always only ever been individuals and small groups of people that ever did it. It's never been masses of people that are in the Skinner box. All they do is vote for tyrants and keep cheering on the forces of evil. So I couldn't say enough about, I'm going to do a whole show on this. There's just too much. There's just too much to get in. It's just so brilliant. Favorite bit. And there it is. This is from uh, the film 1984, where they're all holding up the X, which I thought was kind of 
coincidental that I titled it X, which is chapter 10 in the Roman numerals. But anyways, they're holding up the X. He's got the perfect look on his face. What's the look on his face as he's cheering on Big Brother? As Big Brother just did the whole, uh, I can't remember what they call it, but they get to yell and scream at the at the camera or at the, at the film that they're being shown while they're telling about their conquests and they're beating the bad guys in the war. And what is this look on this guy's face? It's the alleviation of having a self. It's the alleviation of the burden of volitional consciousness. It's the alleviation of the burden of freedom. Freedom is a burden to them. And big brother comes up and goes, come unto me, little child. I'll keep you warm. I'll feed you the Turkish delight. <laughs> I'll keep your stables warm and clean as long as you kneel, as long as you acquiesce. And look at the relief. Couldn't wait to have some overseer ruling him. And the overseers in the back just going, whoa, that was easy. Well done, chaps. On to the next. But let me finish this little presentation with this. The little angel symbolic of the force at your back. This is just the symbol of a, the average family, the average person, you, me, who wants to see a better world. It's this image of hope to me. You want to be free. You want to see real peace. You want to see the truth and you want to see justice for the evil that's been done. Is evil the only force at work in the world? Does the future have to be dark? Is it destined to be an anti-human future? Is it destined to be an evil agenda? Or is there also good in the world? This is the point I tried to make as well. As much of the evil shit that I had to show you, I'm always going to come back and remind you it is these things that we are looking at as we observe the facts of reality and we see where things have gone wrong. They are the ultimate lesson on a, on a soul level. And it, there might be a higher purpose that's beyond this dark side that they don't even get. They're just cogs in a greater wheel of compartmentalization that they can't even understand. That is to service the greater optimization of all things. And that we can be as free as we want to be. But it had to start with, with each one of us. It had to, it had to reach every doorstep. It had, we had to see it in order to understand it. You could, you had to experience this in order to see the end of it. You have to know a thing. You have to know the opposite of a thing to know what goodness and truth and beauty and all these things are. You need to see the evils too, because they're the extreme end of the other end of the spectrum which is where the hope lies that just as much evil as there is, there's just as much good. Here we are sitting here right now, hoping and wishing for a more positive outcome, hoping and wishing for the deep state to get taken out for, you know, all these things we all want and working in our own capacity to make changes in our lives and become more self-sufficient and raise our children properly to be strong, independent, empathetic, empowered, knowledgeable, enlightened beings 
that can be like white blood cells in this world. That's all we can do. And that is what you must do. That is what you're here to do. In spite of it. In spite of it. We don't live in a fallen world ruled by a bunch of psychopathic overseers because that's the destiny of the world. We don't live like slaves in some matrix because that's the destiny of our world and the, and the humanity. That's just what has happened. And it maybe had to happen so that we can eventually break away from our chains, cast the overseers into the ocean and bla or blast them into the center of the sun or whatever we got to do and move on, that none of that's going to ever happen. We're not going to vanquish evil completely, but we can improve. We are the improvers. We can improve a bad situation. You can do it in your own life, so why can't we do it in a bigger way? Maybe I'm having a bit of wishful thinking here, but I, I don't think so. I think the possibility exists. And if the possibility exists, that the good can win out that the truth can come forward and everybody can see it. If you can wake up, I can wake up. Other people can wake up. It's possible. Will it happen? I don't know. But don't tell me there's no hope though. Because if, if it wasn't possible, then I would agree with you that there's no hope. But the fact that it's possible and you and I are living proof of that it's possible, you must always have a rational hope. The hope required for victory. Not more than that, not hopium, not fake. Oh, I'm just projecting my wishes on the world. Nope. A very rational, calm, sane, human hope that is necessary for our survival as a species. That's what we need. We don't need more doom and gloom. It's all hopeless. We don't need that. And that's not the message of Cult of the Medics. That is not the message of this show. I will never, I'm not coming out to say that. It's not what I'm here to do. Even though I got to show you a lot of very evil things. That's designed to help wake you up. That's designed to, um, it was kind of funny. I was doing the live stream on Badlands and I saw in the comments in the first like six minutes, someone went, this kind of has the vibe of a spell with the music and I'm having a bad vibration in my body. It must be casting a spell. I'm like, maybe the vibration is that you're, is, is frightening some of the stuff you're looking at here. And, you know, maybe you don't understand that art can be a very powerful way of communicating and that we need to uh, to do that. So, you know, don't let don't let your own fear of all this stuff cloud your judgment when it comes to making your determination as to whether or not there's something worth hoping for. There is. There are many. Even with the medical world, do you know how many nurses and doctors I get messaging me on a regular basis? A regular basis, they message me on X, they message me on Telegram, they email me. Some of them text me. I don't even know where they got my number from. And I, they tell me. They absolutely love this series. They, they've never saw it from this perspective. The pandemic woke them up. They see what's going on and they're out there trying to find a way because they got into that industry with a good heart. They wanted to do what they could to help people in need and people with disease. And they got into it for the right reasons. They just didn't realize they were entering into a freaking criminal complex like you can't even imagine at the top okay not to say good isn't done in hospitals obviously it is but they're trying to think how can we fix it and when when i hear people from within people government officials police officers military guys that i that communicate with me they're all like we we don't know what to do but we want to do something we want to help 
That's why I can't sit back and go, it's all, they're all, everybody's evil because it's not true. We're in a great awakening right now. It's happening. Can't you see it? The, we're this close to everybody finally go, okay, enough with this bullshit. Hit, stop hitting us with war after war and this after the fight. What the hell's going on? This is ridiculous. Show us the client list already and let's just be done with it. Get Nuremberg 2 kicked off. Let's see what really happened. Let's do some real investigations. Let's do a forensic analysis. If we want to forensically analyze something, let's do a forensic analysis of our politicians' bank accounts. A little extra money put in there. How are these guys coming out from a four-year term and they're like multi-millionaires? Like, how, what's going on? You know, we're, we're this close. And look, we're seeing slowly and surely positive things are starting to happen, even though it seems dire. Um, and I think that's the world we're going to be living in for a bit where you have like full blast of all the good things going on, all the positive things that are going on, all the great people out there that are doing phenomenal work to help bring better solutions into the world and wake people up. And then you have the other dark side just blaring their thing full blast. And there's two trains heading towards the end of the track. And we're just getting it in full 3D IMAX surround sound. And it's freaking hard to even cope with it all. It's just overwhelming. We've never experienced this as a species before. We've never been exposed to this kind of information and these images that are flying around the internet like this and the influences that are there. We are living in uncharted waters, but even despite it all, uh, they still need to lie and cover up and hide and run and replace their frontline guys and put new guys in. It's it's when you really know how to zoom out of it, it's quite the thing to take all in at once. And when I look at it all, despite the horrors that I've had to see in order to do this research, how did I stay positive? How did I stay optimistic overall? You know, even though I definitely mourn for the lost and the and the the horrible things, the atrocities and the ongoing things that are going on, um, you can't live in that space. You will lose if you do. So get that volitional consciousness going and choose to stay positive. Choose to stay in the fight. Choose to not be tired. I was doing some grappling last night. I was feeling tired, trying to get back into the rolling again and the sparring and, you know, getting my body back into gear and learning new things. And, you know, had like four or five round, five minute rounds. And then by the fifth one, sixth one, I was just starting to get tired and had that moment where dude starts passing my guard and threatening a choke. And I'm like, oh my God. And then just a calmness came over me and I just told myself, you're not tired and you're not going to give up. You're not just going to let them have this choke. Fuck that. And sure enough, I had energy hit my body and I was able to reverse the position and pass guard and get the mount. And then the round ended and I went, okay, maybe you didn't win that round, but at least I didn't lose that round because I made a conscious choice not to lose. And so it's possible. So you need that kind of mentality in this war, my friends. So I hope that this series hasn't just given you nightmares. I hope it's also given you hope. I hope it's been illuminating. I hope it's made you think. I hope I haven't been dogmatic in my presentation to make you think you just have to believe all the ways I see it and all my theories and all my, th I hope that you're seeing the personal touch, but you're also seeing, I'm trying to be objective and I'm trying to create space for all of you out there to sort of help me continue with this research and to bring your bits in and, and, you know, we all work together to 
get this out as far and wide as we can and make our own videos and our own podcasts and our own posts and our own books and our own ways of fighting back. And, um, so that's my hope. And I'm just so grateful for all of your help, your support of my amazing sponsors. You should mention it. Thanks to rise attire. Thanks to all the platforms. Thanks to all the people that came on my show and that I was able to include in this series and all the research and everybody that came before me. Thanks to all of your donations, your encouraging words. Thanks even for trolling me. I mean, it, all it does is inspire me to do better. So, um, I just wanted to put this out there, a little overview. We couldn't even go through all the details in the chapter. As you can see, if you've watched it, it's so loaded top to bottom. It's almost to the point of information overload, but I know you can handle it. Um, and so I just want to thank you all and, um, just tell you to not give up the fight and there's going to be some changes with some of my podcasting platforms over time. I'll keep you guys in the loop, but I'm not going anywhere. Just need a little break there. And, um, I'm back on the horse now and I'm also going to be doing a show. Oh, I should let you know. I'm doing a show this evening. I'm going on red pills with Josh. What do you call it? Friday night fringe night or something. I don't know. I think that's in like three hours or four hours from now. If you want to check out that show, Josh wants to do something too on this chapter 10. We're going to talk about it. So I'll try to also include things I haven't mentioned here today. If you want to jump on that later and follow me on my telegram and X, uh, for updates on that, if you want to do it and I'm going to be doing that. And then what is it? Friday today. Yeah. So we'll be, uh, uh, we're taking a break from earth chronicles right now. Sorry about that guys. I know I got a lot of people like really pissed at me for that. <laughs> But uh, it is what it is. Josh and I just have a lot going on. There might be some changes coming down the road. So stay tuned for more announcements on that. But Josh and I are going to get back together soon. Don't worry. Doing something. We've got some things we want to do. Um, and I also have a guest booked next Friday. And uh, this gentleman is the producer of... He's got a new series coming out. His name is Todd Harris. And I'm trying to find the title of the series that he's doing. He runs a production company called Matador Films. And he did a film that I got to go see the live premiere of. I got to meet him. Uh, he's local to me, lives on the island as well. It's called Uninformed Consent. And it's a phenomenal film just to do more of the wake up call, especially for newbies when it comes to the whole pandemic thing. It's a really good film. And now he's working on a new documentary series that I'm, I, I just got told about and I know nothing about it. So I'm going to bring him on next week. I've wanted to interview him. He's a great filmmaker, a uh, great patriot. And um, we're going to bring him on next week for Truth Warrior. So I'll definitely see you then. So just want to thank you all for showing up today. Thanks for your patience. And please go check out the chapter if you haven't. You can catch everything over at cultofthemedics.com. All the chapters are there. Uh, make sure you go check out the uh, chapter 10 recap video that I've just uploaded to my channels. Please share that out for me. And other than that, I will bid you adieu for now. And we will catch you again soon here on Truth Warrior. So cheers, my friends. Much love. And the truth is going to win. It really is. We'll talk soon. Cheers.